So this morning we continue this series titled The Grave Robber. And we're a couple of weeks away from its conclusion. We've got next week the eye opener and then we're finishing up with The Grave Robber. And what this series is, is a look at the seven miracles of Jesus in the book of John. There are seven miracles. This is not including the resurrection, which of course would be the eighth miracle, but the, of the ones that Jesus performed uh, before his death and resurrection, John records seven miracles. And so we're learning from each of these seven miracles. And today we're talking about the water walker. Two weeks ago, I read very interesting and sad, tragic news story online. And the story was about a man in Zimbabwe. This man was killed and was eaten by three crocodiles. In fact, there were witnesses who saw this happen. And they, uh, the witnesses said that the crocodiles finished him off in a matter of two or three minutes. Nothing was left. And you won't believe how this happened or why it even happened. It turns out that this man was actually a pastor of a church. And he was trying to demonstrate to his congregation that he could walk on water like Jesus did. He had been preaching on faith. Uh, the previous uh, Sunday he had preached on faith. And so he, he prayed and he fasted all that week. And he was going to show his, his congregation that he could walk on water. So he walked into the river, which incidentally is known to the locals as the Crocodile River. He walked into the river and he went a few kilometers and he was expecting to be able to rise above the water and to walk on the water. Fortunately, uh, the crocodiles attacked him and, and killed him almost immediately. And his church members were watching as this happened. They were in shock. They were in shock. They were interviewed and they, in, in, in their um, interviews, they, they expressed shock and disbelief that this could happen. They couldn't understand how this could have happened because they said he, he fasted and he prayed and, and he, was, he was walking in faith. He was believing that this is what he was supposed to do. And yet he, he was killed. And that's a sad story. It's a very tragic story. But I think it points to the importance of interpreting Scripture correctly. When I study and, and I teach the Bible and, and, and when you study the Bible for yourself, we have to be careful not to interpret according to our own biases, but to interpret according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit guides us is through the use of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a study of methods and, and principles of biblical interpretation. There are certain things about, about how to interpret scriptures that we learn from hermeneutics. For example, Scripture interprets itself. If we try to interpret Scripture outside of Scripture, we always end up in the wrong place. And there are lots, lots of other things that are part of hermeneutics. And so this is important. So I take seriously the challenge and uh, the privilege that I have to study and to teach God's Word. And, uh, and today we, we look at this story of Jesus walking on the water. The story that this pastor, uh, unfortunately, interpreted incorrectly. As we continue this series, The Grave Robber. And uh, we're going to go to John 6 today. Last week, we were also in John 6, the first part of it. 
as we uh, saw Jesus a multiplier. Today we're talking about Jesus a water walker in John 6, beginning with verse 16. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to John 6, 16, and follow along as I read this passage. Verse 16 reads like this, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or, f- about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, actually, the, the miracle we're talking about here is by Jesus walking on the water. But there were other miracles that took place, and we'll, we'll mention them. That was a main miracle. And, um, in fact, we're going to look at, at Matthew's telling of this story, as well as Mark's, along with John's telling the story, to get the complete picture. Now, this event took place immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, which, as we said last week, was probably more like fifteen or 20,000. And uh, it's an amazing story. Today's story is an amazing depiction of Jesus. And I want you to get this picture. There's a storm. There, the, the wind is blowing. The seas are rough. And Jesus is walking calmly on the water. He is not trying to find his footing, slipping, picking himself up. He's walking calmly on the water. And this miracle is assigned to us, and this is really our big idea for what we're going to talk about today. This miracle is assigned to us that we don't have to fear life storms because Jesus is with us to guide and protect us. Jesus is Lord over the winds and waves, and He's Lord over our biggest problems. And so the first thing that we read in this passage is that in the evening of, of the day in which Jesus had fed the 5,000, the disciples got in their boat, presumably a fishing boat, they were fishermen, got in their boat, and they set off across the Sea of Galilee, which Sea of Galilee wasn't really a sea, it was a, a lake. But uh, they, they set off across the Sea of Galilee for Capernaum. And a strong wind began to blow, and the waters got rough. How many of you know that a strong wind can be very scary? I mean, just look at the damage caused by hurricanes and tornadoes. And you understand some of what the disciples were perhaps starting to fear when the wind picked up and the the water got got rough. And to make matters worse, they were out in the open waters. I mean, they had rowed about three or four miles across a seven-mile lake. And so they were roughly halfway, pretty much in the middle of the lake with no visibility Because the Bible says it was dark, no visibility, fierce winds, and rough waters. One of the scariest things that I've ever gone through was through a hurricane uh, when uh, I was, oh, I guess about 11 or 12 years old in in Corpus Christi, in in Corpus Christi area, we went through Hurricane Celia, and uh, we were at home. And I I thought we were going to die. At that point, I thought this is going to be how we die. We were at home. The the wind was so strong. There was a constant roar, just a roar that wouldn't stop. My dad wasn't there. My dad 
Because my dad was a pastor of the church. We lived in the parsonage right next door. My dad was in the church building. Several people had come to find shelter in our church building. We were at home. And uh, my mom was there. We were on the living room. The doors were closed to all the bedrooms. And they were rattling. The windows were all rattling real loud. Plus this constant roar that just wouldn't go away. We were crying. My mom was sitting there. I remember this clearly. She's sitting there with an open Bible reading scripture out loud. And we're just crying. And, and the sound wouldn't stop. The rattling wouldn't stop. It just kept going and going and going. I thought we were going to die. It was terrible. It was very scary. And so we don't have an indication that what the disciples were going through was a hurricane or a tornado, but it was starting to build up that way. And, and wind, strong wind, you know, a storm can be scary, especially out in the open waters. But one of the things that we learned from this passage, and, and one of the things that it's real important for us to see here, that the disciples were there, they were where they were, because Jesus had sent them there. It's almost like Jesus set them up. And we, we find this in, in, in Matthew's telling of the story. In Matthew 14, we find that it's possible to face storms even when we're in God's will. We might be in the middle of God's will and, and we still face storms that, that scare us. But the important thing about that is that we're never alone. If we're facing a storm, even though we're where God told us to be, then we know that we're not going to face that storm alone. The disciples were in the middle of God's will. They were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. In Matthew 14, 22, look at this telling by, by Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This is a crowd of the 5,000 plus. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. We know it's about three or four miles. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So did you notice that Jesus made them get in the boat? He commanded them to get in the boat. He directed them to get in the boat and to go out into the water did Jesus not know there was a storm going to brew that was going to come up? Of course he knew. But he still made them go out in the middle of the lake, in the middle of nowhere, as it were, where the storm was going to come. It's almost like he set them up. Why would he do that? God, why are you making me go through this? God, why would you make me suffer like I'm suffering? Why are you allowing this in my life? Have you ever asked God that? I mean, have you ever felt like God led you directly into the storm? You know, it's not so much that he leads us into the problem, but let's face it. You know, some problems are self-inflicted. Some, some pain that we suffer is self-inflicted. But it's more that life is hard and we all face storms, even when we're in God's will. Even when we're doing what God has called us to do, what God has led us to do. The sign of a problem, the sign of a storm, doesn't mean you're out of God's will. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, we can't, we, we can't focus only on that first part. This, this truth is twofold. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Jesus himself in John 16, 33 told his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
Notice what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Both verses highlight the fact that God is our deliverer. deliverer. We can take heart in that fact that we're not alone. We may face problems. We may face storms, even though we're doing what God called us to do. But we're never alone. Take heart. I love what Jesus told his disciples. Take heart. In fact, we'll only see miracles in our lives when we're in situations that require miracles. If you say, I never see a miracle. I've never seen a miracle. Well, first of all, you probably have. You just missed it. We talked about this the very first Sunday of the, of the series. You probably missed it because there are miracles all around us. But we say, well, I, I'd like to see God do something. Well, first of all, miracles come when you're in a situation that requires a miracle. So don't be afraid of the storm. Embrace the situation. Embrace the problem. And I'm not saying, you know, like, welcome in and, 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 and desire for more. No, none of us desire pain and problems. But when you're going through it, understand, okay, here's a chance for God to do something. Here's an opportunity for God to work a miracle. Because uh, we're never alone when we face our problems if we're in God's will. Now, here's another crucial point from today's story. When the storm hit... The disciples were, they were in trouble. I mean, they were in trouble. The end of verse 17, we're back to John 6. The end of verse 17 says that it was dark and Jesus had not yet reached them. Of course, they didn't know then that Jesus was going to reach them. They didn't realize that. But John is writing this, obviously, after the fact. And he's letting us in, letting us in on what's going to happen. All we know here, or all they know here, the disciples, that is that there's a storm, it's dark, and Jesus isn't there with them. But guess what? He wasn't there. But from three or four miles away, up on the mountainside, he was watching everything. And that's another miracle, by the way. Because who can see four miles away or three miles away all the details of what's going on somewhere? But we, we go to Mark to fill in the gaps here. In Mark chapter 6, verses 47 and 48, we read this. This is the same story. This is Mark's telling of the story. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So, again, he's three or four miles away. He's on a mountainside and he saw exactly what was happening. He saw that, that where they were, that they were in the middle of the lake. He saw that they were straining because of the wind. They were straining at the oars. Now, the, the reason Jesus had stayed behind was, you know, he needed some time alone to pray. He was frequently doing this. So he, he needed some time to pray. Dismissed the crowd. Remember the crowd wanted to make him king because they were enjoying all the miracles he was performing. So they wanted to make him king, so he had to get away from them. He dismissed them. He sent the disciples out on the lake, and he went to find some alone time on the mountainside to, to pray. And as he prayed, he saw the disciples straining, struggling, fighting with all their might. He saw the pained look on their faces, and he saw the winds that were buffeting them. 
Now again, remember how far away he is. And Jesus saw them. Because, and here's the point, Jesus is always watching when we go through storms. He's always watching when you go through your problems. When you go through your valleys, He's aware of your needs. You know, there can be no more painful situation than to feel all alone in this world. This is why a few minutes ago I said, it's so important, I, I just urge you, don't miss Wednesday nights. This is a great time to connect. So many people feel disconnected because they've disconnected. And, and there's no more painful situation to feel all alone in the world. To think that no one knows your pain. To, to think that no one cares. Loneliness is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible way to go through life. It's a terrible way to face your problems. And uh, wouldn't you know it in a world of... Seven billion people, many people feel all alone because they're facing their problems alone. You don't have to be by yourself. Jesus sees you. He knows your need. He hears your cry. He's aware of your pain. And He not only sees you, but get this, He not only sees you, but He prays for you. What was Jesus doing when he saw the disciples? He was praying. He was praying when he saw them. Now, the Bible tells us, the writer to the Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 7.25, that Jesus lives forever to intercede to God on our behalf. So he's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's interceding for you. He's aware of what you're going through. He understands your, your pain. He's, he sees you straining at the oars. He sees the winds buffeting against your boat, against your life. And He's going to the Father on your behalf. Doesn't that bless you? To know that you're not alone. That you don't have to face life alone. Jesus is always watching when we go through storms. He's aware of our needs. So we can find comfort and strength in that. We can, we can embrace the situation know that, that, knowing that God is in control, that God sees what we're going through. Now let's move on with the story. John, back to John 6. We, we read, of course, that they rode about three or four miles and they saw Jesus approaching the boat. And verse 19 says that they were frightened. They were frightened. Now I think I'd be frightened too if I was out in the middle of a, of a lake and it's dark. Presumably there's no moonlight because it was, it was dark. Totally dark. The winds are strong. The water is rough. And suddenly here comes somebody walking on the water. I'd be frightened too. In fact, Mark 6.49 says this. Look at Mark 6.49. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out. Because they all saw him and were terrified. What do a group of men crying out? Because they thought they saw a ghost sound like. Probably not very manly. I'm just going to say it probably wasn't very manly. Oh, look, a ghost. No, it was probably more like, oh, and just screaming like a girl. Sorry, ladies, don't mean to offend you. Don't mean to offend you. But they, they were deathly afraid. Now, some people believe that, that back in those days, uh, the belief was that the water was like the abyss where dead spirits went. 
And, and maybe for a moment they thought, okay, this a dead spirit just come up from the water. He's coming to get us. I mean, they were afraid. And they cried out. They were terrified. You know, we all face things that, that terrify us. Might be different for all of us, but we face things that tempt us to, to fear and to panic. Have you ever panicked? I mean, I don't know what your fearful situation is, but again, living with fear is no way to live. Panic and anxiety are not God's best for us. That's not how God wants us to live, gripped by fear. But how do we overcome those things? We went up to Dallas this weekend for O.C.'s our nephew O.C.'s wedding, and uh, we went through a storm. Everybody who we went, you know, some from San Angelo, others from uh, San Antonio, Corpus Christi. This is just our family. And, uh, the other side of the family, Libby's family from other parts, perhaps. But we all hit the storm, and we hit the storm right around Coleman. I thought about Marcus. I thought, man. But, uh, and it was, it was kind of brief, but it was pretty strong. I mean, the wind was blowing the, the water. I, I couldn't see. I'm going very slowly. One of those white knuckles for about 10, 15 minutes. And uh, everybody I spoke to that went through the storm from different parts said, yeah, people are just pulling off the side of the road. I pulled off about two minutes and then I realized we're getting close to getting out of this, so I kept going. But uh, one of those white knuckle situations. What do you do when you face those situations in life? How do you overcome those things? You know how we overcome that? With God's presence. This is an important lesson for us that Jesus comforts, comforts us in the storm with His presence. It's His presence that was missing. That's why, that's why John gives us this, this little uh, viewpoint when he, when he says that, that it was dark and Jesus, was not, Jesus had not yet reached them. Because he's telling them they were alone, they, they were missing him, his presence. The disciples gave in to fear and they cried out. But Jesus comforted them with his presence when he told them, it is I. He said, don't be afraid. One of the gospels says, take heart. Same thing he says in John 16, 33. Take heart. Almost like, get a grip of yourself, of yourselves. It is I. It is I. Now, what was he saying? He was literally saying, when he said, it is I, he was literally saying, it is I am. He was giving them his name, the great I am. That's the same phrase from the Old Testament. When Moses asked God for his name, after God called him to go and deliver the Israelites from, from bondage, Moses asked God for his name. Who shall I, whom shall I send? Uh, shall I say is sending me? And God revealed himself to Moses as a great I am not I was, I'm a has been or I will be someday. I've got a lot of potential, but no, it's I am now. And that's exactly what Jesus told the disciples. I am. Don't be afraid. I am. I am all that you need. I am all powerful. I am all knowing and I am with you. My presence will guide you and protect you. When you're tempted to give in to fear and to panic, don't do it. When you're tempted to give in to, to anxiety, don't surrender to that. Don't cry out in panic. Call out to Jesus instead. Seek His presence. It was His presence. Who's His presence that comforted them? 
Seek His presence every day. Devote time to pray and to dwell in God's presence. You know, we're in the season of camps, retreats, summer camps, and so on. And one of the things I love about that, and I grew up going to camp, many of you did, and our kids have gone, is that it's a time that's set apart from distractions just to seek God's presence. That's why lives are changed at camps, at youth camps, spiritual camps. You can get, you can get instruction from sports camps and, and all that is good, but lives are changed at camp because of God's presence. That's what makes the difference. And in our, in our world and in our lives and, in, and when we face valleys and problems and storms, seek help from God's presence. Seek His presence. Take time to slow down the pace of your life. Take time to quiet your spirit in His presence and His word and find strength in that. Know the great I am as you go through your trial. You can find strength to face a day. Get up in the morning and instead of giving in to fear. Instead of giving in to anxiety. To take the handle of faith. Because every day has two handles. One is faith. The other one is fear. Which handle are you going to choose? Grab the handle of faith and take on the day. When you face a storm. Don't panic. Don't say, why me, God? Why do I have to go through this? No, say, you know what? This is a chance for God to do something and take on the day with Jesus. Well, an amazing thing happened. I told you there's several miracles. One is that the main one is, of course, Jesus walking on the water to get to them in their time of need. But we talked about how he saw them from so far away, saw the details. And the other one is that this verse tells us, the passage that we read, tells us that when Jesus got on the boat, this is John 6, 21. The boat reached the shore where they were heading immediately. Immediately. So remember, they're about three or four miles in, and they've struggled, but once he's there, boom, they're at their destination. And as I read that, I thought, boy, this is why we need Jesus to ride with us every and travel with us every trip we get. It would be nice if we could get there right away too. But uh, even if we have to take the allotted time to know that he's there to guide us and to protect us. But you know, the disciples experienced what God had promised in the Psalms. Psalm 107.30 says, They were glad, and speaking about men out at sea in the storms. In the storms and uh, it says, They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. That's what they experienced. The seas grew grew calm. And Jesus guided them. Just miraculously. Immediately to the destination. What they experienced. You can also experience. He's Lord over the wind and the waves. He's Lord over time. He got them there in no time. He's Lord of all. And the miracle of the water walker coming to their side in their time of need is available to you today as well. If you'll turn to him, turn to him. And maybe you're facing a storm. Maybe today you're, you're going through a trial and quite frankly, you're tempted because it's overwhelming and the fear, the anxiety just seems to be overwhelming. You're tempted to give in to that. Don't do it. Call on God today. Call on Him today. The water walker 
will walk to where you are, will strengthen you with his presence, and will get you to your desired destination. Where do you want to be with your life? He'll get you there. What do you want to do with your life? He'll get you there. What goals, what dreams do you have that have not, that you have not accomplished because your fear, your panic is holding you back because your problems are holding you back? He'll get you there. He'll guide you to your desired haven. Call on Him today.